Hey, miserable bitches. We are back with another episode of Misery Manor. I'm Cody. I'm Emily. And make sure you leave your manners at the door. Hey everybody. Hi. We're back. We're back. We're back. And um thank you all who participated in my what do you call them polls? Yeah. On Instagram. Um so because of you, I picked well, I guess y'all picked option 1 for this evening, which is the y'all sick little bitches <laughs> murder. Y'all picked the murder of this poor innocent guy who was murdered by his girlfriend and his three friends so i do not i don't think i know this one i, I don't really think don't. do either there was i could not find a freaking documentary about it i couldn't find a 2020 about it um i stumbled across it because i was looking up like fucked up at like friend like betrayal of friends and stuff and that one popped up and i was like oh these little fucking bitches but before <laughs> we get into those bitches um i wanted to say a lot <laughs> no Oh, I do want to say this. The other episode we asked um, that you, while you're listening to this, to just real quickly write an ad or just rate us on either Spotify or Apple. Write an ad. Or not write an ad. Write a review. Sorry. Yes. It's late. It uh, is late. And you, the number went up so, so high. And I'm not just saying that just so that we can like get praises and have a really good score, but it helps with the algorithm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, like, when people are searching for true crime, we want to be, you know, a hot, a hot true crime podcast. So, thank you for doing that, and while I'm at it, if you haven't done it, uh, scroll down and click the five stars. Now, if you pick anything less than five stars, forget I asked you to do that, um, and just go on your merry way. (laughs) Do you remember when I told us we had to have a circle logo, and then when we finally got loaded down like or loaded onto apple Podcasts, we had like that ugly like white it was hideous (laughs) i was like emily that does not match um but we're we're getting better and better as we you are i'm getting worse and worse i'm sorry hey you're there for support and you're there as um am i yes oh you guys are sorry to interrupt you go ahead no go ahead you guys are getting pins this week Oh, Patreons are getting pins. Yes, and I'm going to change on the Patreon. Basically, if you just are a Patreon, you're going to get a letter from us. You'll get stickers, decals. Well, not whatever decals. Else. Yeah. That's a decal, yeah. <clears throat> you know, whatever. Um, So I'm going to change that because I know when you're like a the looming lobby, you don't get prompted to put in your address, but I'm going to change that so you do. Right. Because we had one. I only remember her name because it's my niece's name. Her name is Mari. Oh, yeah. Mari, if you're listening, check your email because we're going to email you for your address. Oh, I already did. Oh, did she respond? I don't know. I haven't checked. Mari, if you're listening, (laughs) check your email. Um, And on the next one, I need to write down all the Patreons, so we'll give you a shout out. That's one thing that we have missed doing. Um, Yes. But there are several of y'all that have been coming in throughout the week, so... We will shout you out in the next episode. I promise, honey child. Yes. Oh, did anyone respond of what, like, enamel pins they wanted? Yes. 
Okay, one of our cute, awesome followers, Jojo. Oh, yeah. The one that always... So I'll let you know. So, yeah, if you saw the post of the enamel ones that you like, just let us know which one, and we'll send you that particular one. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, also, y'all, I need to share a funny story about my poor, sweet mother. <laughs> well, so she traveled... She's retired, and she traveled to Ireland this week, this week with her good girlfriends. Now... I think They're not they, bad. I think they had too much wine. Well, one of them <laughs> ended up falling down the stairs and breaking her ang- or her wrist. Ugh, we so, know how that feels. So they had to go to this, like, Ireland, like, Dublin um, hospital. And my mom's like, hi, she broke her wrist. Show her your wrist. And I'm like, tell, and she's, she's like, I'm telling them all this. And, like, I'm screaming at them. And they're like, ma'am, we speak English. <laughs> She was like, oh, my God. She thought they spoke a whole nother language over there, honey. How long had she been there? They had just gotten there. Uh, Like, literally, they've been there less than 24 hours. And the lady already took a tumble. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Y'all need to get y'all ass out of there and back to fucking Beaumont, Texas. Ew. She would be me. Right. No, she would. No. Yeah. That's me. Like... Hey, we're going to go have a fun time. Let me Well, last time it. they were in Greece, one of her friends fell off the boat and broke her nose. So it sounds <gasps> no, like we really... No, I want to break my nose so bad. Well, I'll break it. Sometimes when you interrupt, I want to break it. Um, all right. So let's get into this week's case. Now, it's not a surprise because y'all all voted on it. But if you didn't vote for it because you're not on our Instagram, this is going to be the horrific murder of Jason Sweeney. So he was murdered by his girlfriend and his three good friends. That's a lot of people for one person. So I feel like this is... Oh, it's gruesome. Okay, so let me give a disclaimer. There's going to be parts where I talk about what they did to him. It's actually their interrogation of, like, what they said happened. So I'll tell you before, like, the details are a little bit much. Um, but it's not too, too graphic. But just the imagery that you're going to have in your head is a little bit much. Okay? And it's them telling it, right? Yeah. Yeah, which okay. that's... Okay. So this murder takes place in Fishtown, Philadelphia, which has a population of 1,200 people, which is not a lot, right? How many fish are there? There's about um, one per person, 1,200. Oh. Um, I mean, did I say 1,200? I meant 12,000. <laughs> 12,500. Okay, so the name Fishtown derives from one of the original occupations of its residents. So early settlers were fishermen, and over the time, they controlled the fishing rights to both sides of the Delaware River. Um, from Cape May to the falls at Trenton, New Jersey. Emily's really going to sit here and try to, what is that called? File my... File her toenails while I'm reading. Put that up. Now. Okay. So now we have an idea. Fishtown, Philadelphia. So I'm going to, I don't typically do this during our episodes, but I'm going to start by dropping us off at the location of the crime scene. Okay. So the setting of this crime is at a local hidden hangout called the Trails in Fishtown. So it's kind of like a public park near the Delaware River. It's really freaking dirty. It's off like the beaten path. Kids like hang out there, like graffiti, do bad shit. There's like a lot of fucking homeless people just like... And it's on the water? Yeah, it's on the... Like it's like on the sides of the Delaware River. I just imagine a bunch of dead fish. So there's a lot of homeless people walking around. They Some people said it looks like almost like Zombieville at night because, like, the homeless people will leave during the day and then come back at night. There's, like, shacks where homeless people live. So, ugh. So, Rude! Well, okay. So there's, a lot of, <laughs> so there's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of, like, illicit activity going on in there. So already, you know, this is not, like, a good place to hang out, right? So... 
Memorial Day weekend in 2003, two teenage boys were hanging out on the trails and they came across a pile of bloody bones all of a sudden. What? And they were bloody like, Bloody bones? Bloody bones. And they were like, Whoa, dude, what the fuck is this? So initially they thought it was like a dead animal of some uh, yeah. sort. Um, so they left it alone, but they noticed that there was like clothing <gasps> around it too. So they went up the trail a little bit and they came across like the body of a human so the bones were scattered everywhere right so the body of a male human who had no shirt on and his pants were down to his ankles stop but could they tell where those bones had come from at this point yeah oh like what part of the body um i didn't ask them Oh. <laughs> so what did they do? They called 911. So when investigators arrived, they said the head of this victim was bludgeoned so badly that it was completely unrecognizable. So like the, because like when they people only say respond- the head, yeah. I'm just picture like the back of your head. When you say the face. The face. So the like, face. That's and- what identifies you. Exactly. And so the only reason why they knew it was a male was because there was a penis and no oh. titties. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't know they had those. Well, you don't. (laughs) I don't have... So, he had gouges from his chin to his nasal cavity. Pieces of his face were missing... Oh, sorry. Pieces of his face missing teeth were lying in the grass all around him. Pieces of his face? face? Like, flesh, uh, like, bones, uh, flesh were all, like... From an animal, you think? No, I'm gonna get to that. So, it was right next to his head. So, they were like, this is very fresh. And they said, this definitely happened less than 24 hours of this current time. Okay. So the lead uh, detective on the case who got there first said all you could see was eyebrows and hair, but his face was completely torn to smithereens. It was also clear to investigators that he had grabbed the ground with his hands at one point to try to claw his way away. Um, But whoever was attacking uh, attacking him, he obviously could not put up a fight. So his pockets were turned inside out and his cash and his ID were missing. So they immediately were like, this is a robbery gone bad. No, this is a staged robbery. Because so, why would they pull his pants down? So, I'm going to get to that. So, Mark Wilford, who was the lead investigator on the case. What happened to his eyes? Sorry. Well, who's eyes? Did he have eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. So, Mark Wilford, who was the lead investigator on this case, said the scene really affected him in a profound way. He said he hadn't ever seen anything like this in his time and hasn't to this day since. Um, So let that just sink in on how gruesome and horrific this crime scene was, okay? Well, I'm like, they only saw eyebrows. Right. That's the only thing they could see on the face. Eyes. So they have the body, and the next thing they start looking for is the murder weapon. So typically the murder weapon does get taken away by the perpetrator from the scene, but sometimes, you know, they just, like, leave it or, like, throw it or chunk it. They're by the water, right? Right. So close to the scene, though, they actually found a huge rock that had blood all over it. And next to it, they found a bloody hatchet and hammer. Okay, what is a hatchet? A hatchet's like like a machete, I want to say. I thought a hatchet was like an axe. No, because you thought a fucking ice pick was a pickaxe. Remember that? Yeah. Okay, we'll look it up. But a bloody hatchet. So they followed some of I the... I thought it was like a violin and a fiddle. It just depends on how you use it. Well, regardless of what it was, it killed him. Okay. <laughs> so they followed some of the blood trail that was scattered uh, and inconsistent around the body, and it led to this little makeshift shack where a homeless man was living in the woods. So they go up to the shack, and they're like, knock, knock, is anyone there? 
So out comes this homeless guy and he like staggered out. He like was like grungy and he had blood all over his face. <gasps> Stop it right now. Blood all over his face. And they're like, hi, um, wh- what's the blood doing on your face? And he said, oh, I cut myself. So the cops are like, no, you didn't, sir. The, the blood trail leads right to you. So they're like, so they arrest him and they bring him to um, the police station, right? Tell me when I can interrupt you. Go ahead. Okay, there is some video floating around where this um, news reporter's, this is what it reminded me of, like interviewing a homeless man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like saying really weird, like he's almost like chanting to her or something, and she kind of like looks at the camera. Oh. And then blood just blood. starts... I sent that to you, yeah. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. like, blood starts dripping from his mouth, and she's like, okay! Yeah, no, terrifying. So, like, he had blood all over his face. Like, he was eating him. Or, like, something, like, maybe Smell. they thought maybe he murdered him, because, like, the With blood splashed... Or it was on his face, so it looked like the blood may have, like, squirted back oh, out Oh, okay. So they detain him, and meanwhile, the body is going to the medical examiner's office, so... An autopsy was done by Dr. Ian Hood. So when they took a look at the body, he noticed that there was, like, little to no decomposition. So the body was very, very, very fresh. So they estimated the murder likely occurred less than 24 hours. um, But they were thinking it might have been closer to, like, 10 10 hours. So, um, which would put his death late Friday um, evening or night on May 30th, 2003. Which makes sense because he was... In, like, a kind of an open area. Yeah. And he explained that most of the blows had happened on the top... Wait, the front top inside of his this person's head. There was complete destruction of the right side of his skull. In the end... This is crazy. In the end, only one bone in his entire face was unbroken. And it was the cheek on the left side of the face. So every bone in his face was broken except the cheekbone. That's on the like left your, side that's your face. orbital bones your cheekbones what like right here yeah so it was obvious that this guy was clearly helpless to them he was on his back he was laying on the ground and again his pants were on his ankle so besides all of the injuries that clearly occurred right before the death um he had pretty recently oh so he had a healing laceration across his hand but it was already like scarred so they were like this happened prior to being attacked yeah. um which they were like, hopefully this is going to be what we can use to identify the body, right? Because the face was unrecognizable. But they were like, this might be something. Like, maybe his friends or family know somebody who recently had a cut on their hand. He didn't have any defensive wounds on his hand? Mm-mm. So, but blitz a, attack. Right. So, um... Right, okay, so, you know, and typically they ask, like, the friends and family, like, do you... Do they have any markings that could help us and identify them? So... The other detective on this ca- on this case was detec- Detective Richard Reinhold. So he went through all the missing persons report that previous day, and one stuck out to him, right? So by this time, J- uh, Jason had not gone home, okay? I'm just going to tell you, the body's Jason Sweeney. And um, the family had called and him in missing, right? So at this, he's a boy, right? He's 16. Okay, yes. so they're going to... So take- at this point, Richard's like, let me go through the missing persons reports. And one stuck out to him, and it was 16-year-old uh, Jason Sweeney. 
right? So Jason dropped out of school and he had been working with his father as a construction worker. His father owned this really big construction company and Jason loved working there with his father. So they thought that the laceration on his hand might fit that type of work. You know, construction is very hands-on. So they went to Jason Sweeney's home and they talked to his parents who were a complete mess. They were like, where's my son? Like, have you, you know, have you found anything out? Um, Because he got along great with his parents. They were very close. They were like one big happy family. They would always eat dinner together at night. They would play games. They would have their own like game nights and stuff. So um, the the mom just kept saying, he's such a good kid. He's such a good kid. So they were an absolute mess. And they were like, this is not like Jason at all. He's such a good kid. He would never run away. Like there's no way that this like something bad has happened. Yeah. So going back to the laceration, they spoke to his sister, Melissa, and she confirmed that Jason had a cut on his hand kind of badly while working with their dad at one of the construction sites. Like, and this happened within the last few days, which added up with the body that they saw, right? So the family had actually written in the missing persons report that earlier that morning mm-hmm. as, and put that as an identifier on the body. Oh, wow. Right. So the investigators showed the family the picture of the wound on the hand, and they were like, oh, Yep, that is definitely our son. So just by looking at him, that is literally all that the family said that they could identify them by. They Like, some of his hair was missing. Um, his body was mangled. They couldn't even tell how much this person probably could have weighed. But right? they, didn't, they didn't show... Did the parents see his remains? No, because that was enough for them to determine. And they're okay. going to do dental records and stuff. There was no need for them to see, like, the, the crime scene, you know? So, Jason Sweeney was born July 29th, 1986. <gasps> That's tomorrow. Oh, oh no, it's God. not. Oh. It's Friday. Oh, God. To parents Paul and Don Sweeney. So, at the time of his death, like I said, he was 16 years old. So, Jason Sweeney, he was a good-looking guy. He was well-built. And, like I said, he worked at his father's construction company. Mm-hmm. So, he was described by those who knew him as every mother's dream, quote, um, he was extremely loyal, very generous, very hardworking, and he would give the shirt off of his back to anyone, even a stranger. That's just the type of person that he was. And they said he was like a huge jokester, huge prankster. Like he was all, always pulling pranks on his friends and family and like his coworkers. Um, and he, he just loved to make people laugh and smile. Like that was his, that was his, you know, lifestyle. So kind of <laughs> like me. So Jason was working really, really, really hard towards becoming, uh, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And he, it was his way of like wow. starting the proper education, training. Um, so he was going to be starting school in the next couple of years. To, oh, like ROTC type thing? Right. Okay. So like I said, super hardworking. He knew that he wanted to be a Navy SEAL and he said like nothing would get in his way of being that, right? Okay. Um, so since his pockets were emptied and his ID and cash were stolen, detectives obviously started focusing on the motive of the robbery because he was making really good money working for his dad. Um, oh, so sure. every Friday he got paid $500 a week as a 16 year old. So that's $2,000 a month. So back at the station, police were interviewing that homeless guy and they found that they found living near the crime scene uh-huh. with the blood on his face. Cause I mean, obviously it was kind of adding up to him, right? And he's a homeless person. They were like, this is a robbery. It all kind of just made sense. So there was no money found on the homeless man and none in his, like, little shack. So they check his alibi and they said, so where were you Friday? And he told him, he said, I spent my entire Friday at the homeless shelter. And so they go to the homeless shelter and it was confirmed that he was there the entire day. So immediately they were like, oh, we're sorry. We have the wrong person. Like, But I'm like, so he's going to have a hatchet and all. Like, he didn't have a hatchet. Homeless people are most likely would be like not 
you know, maybe like malnourished or something like that. They're going to be able to, they think that guy is, would be responsible for murdering a fit 16 year old. Well, yeah. Kid. If there's blood leading up to your shack and you got blood on your face, I'd be like, you fucking did it. He has a shack though. Like so he's out not of homeless. A shack basically out of cardboard. I'm using the word shack. <laughs> they didn't use that word. Hut, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so they thought, okay, so they thought this was going to be like a home run, and now they ended up being at a dead end because it was not this guy. So they go back to the drawing board. Jason's family then gives detectives a list of his closest friends and people that Jason normally hung, mm-hmm. hung out with or who hung out with him recently. Okay. So this included 16-year-old Nicholas Koya, 17-year-old Dominic Koya, their brothers, and it also included 17-year-old Eddie Bed- Bedstick who was Jason's literal best friend for 12 years. They had been best friends since the fourth grade. 12 years? Or like 12 12 years. And they were in, uh, since fourth grade. Four years old. Yeah. Oh, four years old? Yeah. You're right. Four years old. So Jason was actually good friends with Nicholas and Dominic for quite some time, but their friendship ended a couple years prior. So they were like, you know, good acquaintances, but not very good friends. So the list also included his recent new girlfriend, 15-year-old Justina Devil- Morley. I gave her that middle name because she's a oh. cunt and a half. So Jason and Justina <laughs> had just started dating, so it was super new. Also, this was his first ever girlfriend. So Justina even lived a few doors down from the Sweeney's house. Um, but Justina was a troubled teen, to say the least. Her mother, April, said Justina started smoking weed at the age of 10. So, um, But it was... but. I know. I was like, well, 10 years old, bitch, that is a so. That's bad. That's like fifth grade. Weed? I don't know what kind of. smoking weed in Well, that's. I was like seventh grade. Okay, well, listen. So that wasn't enough for her. So she started taking prescription pills and snorting Coke as well as heroin. So what about that? Is, is she Those old? are all bad. Right. For any. So Justina's mother also said that her daughter started cutting her wrist at the age of nine, oh. as well as being ho- hospitalized for threatening suicide and self-mutilation in 2002, oh which to put into perspective was only a year before this murder. Right. So oh Justina was admitted to another hospital for cutting her wrist, knees, and thighs, taking pills, and leaving suicide poems on her door. Sus- I was like, not the poem. Most people just stick with the note. She's writing a full-on poem haiku. Your son is peeking his head out. So when she was admitted into the hospital, Justina threatened to commit suicide. So she was like, Mom, if you don't get me out of this hospital immediately, I'm going to kill myself. So against the doctors and the hospital's advice, what did her mother do? She took her out of the hospital. They didn't have her under like a... Psychiatric? No. Really? Mm-mm. So she took her out. Okay. Then... Justina goes back to school and she's expelled from eighth grade. So her mother makes her repeat the eighth grade, but then enrolls her in a private school called the Holy Name of Jesus. And it was a Catholic school in Fishtown. So as you can see, Justina was just like a very troubled, troubled teen. And I couldn't find anything as if it was like her parents, like where this could have came from. She just was hanging out with the wrong crowd. So... Jason's mom said the night before, this is a quote. So she said, quote, the night before Jason was killed, Jason and I sat there talking and he said, mom, I'm dating this girl. I've been dating her for a couple of weeks and she's really nice. I really think you're going to like her mom. So Jason's sister thought, um, was immediate like, no, this Justina chick knows what the fuck happened. Like 
she needs to fucking talk. You need to How talk. How old was J- uh, Jason's sister? Older, like in her 20s. She's oh, an older wow. Sister. Okay. So she was like, this girl knows what the fuck happened. You need to go check her out immediately. Like, she was like, I have a bad, bad, bad feeling about Justina. So detectives really? bring Justina into the station and right away they break the tragic news to her that her boyfriend had been brutally murdered. But oddly enough, she said, oh, okay. And she was chill. She didn't even bat an eyelash. She just sat there and listened. Like, and I watched the interrogation video. She's just like, oh. So they say, so tell me. Is what, she on drugs, though? No, and she's not on drugs. So they, so they go, so tell me, when's the last time you saw your boyfriend or talked to him? Justina tells police the, uh, the last night that she saw him was Friday, so the day of the murder, but during the day. She said she had planned to see him that night because he was going to meet up with her at a party that was taking place in the woods. At that party, Eddie, his best friend, mm-hmm. and the two brothers, Nicholas and Dominic, were also going to be in attendance. So she said that uh, Jason said he was coming to the party, but then she was bummed, but apparently not fucking worried because he didn't come to the party. And they were like, well, you didn't, like, call him. Because they had cell phones at this time. They were like, you didn't call 2003? him. 2003? Yeah. They were like, you didn't call him. Like, you didn't go to his house to check on him. And she was like, well, what was I supposed to do about it? I'm like, I'm sorry, but if he's... They were like, if he's going to say he's coming to meet you there, wouldn't you be worried if he never showed up? And, like, not to be a certain way, but a 15-year-old girl and then her older boyfriend, yeah. like, stands her up. Right. And she was like, she told them, like, she was like, yeah, I was bummed, but, I mean, I don't know what you wanted me to do about it. So after she brought up Eddie, uh, Nicholas and Dominic, they decided to bring Eddie in first because that was Jason's best friend. So come to find out, he's a total fucking mess, too. He was a thief, and he regularly had broken into houses and did, like, a bunch of other bad shit. Like, he would break into people's houses in the middle of the night, break into their garages and steal shit. Um, He was a rebellious little fucker. Um, he loved heroin, he loved weed, and he loved Xanax. And Jason didn't do any of these things? No. So I'm going to get to that, too. So he was going down this... She burped. Are you done? Yeah. She was going down this really bad path along... So along with Justina, Dominic, and Nicholas, they didn't just smoke... Okay, this is a crazy part. So they didn't just smoke weed, and I'm going to say this and it's going to confuse you. They abused weed is what the investigator said. And I was like, how do you abuse weed? This is how... They spiked their weed with embalming fluid. Oh! And they were getting high off those fluids. Fumes. Fumes. Or the chemicals that were, like, they were lacing it and, like, doing that. So they that were... Could kill you. Right. So I'm like, oh... Well, well, I mean, I guess heroin can kill you. So I was like, wow. Okay. So the investigators call Eddie into the break room. And they break the bad news to him. And they say, like, hey, the reason we brought you here is to let you know your best friend, Jason Sweeney, was brutally murdered. And he had barely any reaction at all. He was like, oh, oh, when? Like, what What happened? So the fact that Justina and Eddie had little to no reaction at all led them to think, okay, they're doing drugs during this interrogation. Like, I think that they're on drugs currently. Mm-hmm. So they asked Eddie, do you know who did this? Like, who would have wanted to hurt Jason? And Eddie said, quote, no one would hurt him. Everyone loves Jason. I can't think of one person. Everybody loves him. He's a great guy. I love him. So they were like, okay. But they weren't, like, really expecting that sort of response from him. So his alibi was that he attended the party that Justina was referring to and was expecting Jason to show up, but he never did. He says, Justina's telling the truth. That is exactly what happened. 
Okay, so he basically regurgitated the exact same story that, that she said word for word. So investigators were like, no, 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 no. This story sounds so rehearsed. So the investigators even said that after they mentioned they had spoken with Justina, Eddie became very weirdly concerned with Justina's, like, well-being. Like, way, like, in, a, like, a weird way. He, she was like, Eddie told them, he was like, wait, you, you talked to Justina? How is she? Is she doing okay? Tell her I said hi. Like, just real weird, okay? They're like, wait, your best friend was just murdered and you're way more focused on Justina, okay? So, they were like, why is he so confirmed? Are these two, like, fucking? So they asked him, they were like, hey, like, is something going on between you and Justina? And he was like, no, like, we're just friends. I, I mean, I did have a crush on her and I asked her out, but she told me no. So then they ask, well, did it bother you that Jason was dating her? And Eddie was furious. He was like, what? Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, no, why would I ever get jealous of what Jason does? Like, very, 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 like, re- defensive. So... They wrap up Eddie's interview and decided to interview some of the other folks before continuing with Justina and Eddie. Mm-hmm. So a few hours after speaking to Eddie, they talked to Jason's dad and his sister. So to their surprise, when they got home from being interviewed, Jason's sister and dad, they found Eddie and Nicholas at their house. The two boys were waiting for them like in their driveway because they were eagerly wondering whether the cops had found anything else out or had any further leads. So like they pulled in and they were like, hey, how did it go? What did they ask you? Uh, who, do, who do they They're think? They're grieving their son. They're like, who do they think it is? But so, not the other brother? It was no, Eddie. it was and- Eddie and Nicholas. So they were like, what did they tell you? Did they have any leads? Like what's going on? So the dad was like, this is so odd. Like. First of all, we're grieving our son. Second of all, you're not wor- like worried like, you know, how who could do this? Like, oh my gosh, they're m- way more concerned with like getting caught. So Jason's father was like not putting up with this bullshit at all. He knew that these kids knew way more than what they were giving out. So Jason's father ended up confronting them and asking them point blank, what the fuck do you know? Well, I have a question about them being interviewed because they're all minors. So mm-hmm. where were their parents? I'm sure their parents came with them. I'm not sure. I just saw the, the room, like, of them in the Yeah, room. I just think it's so weird that, like... So obviously their parents... My point is, like, their parents had to have known that they were being interviewed. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, you can go to these people's house. Right, right. Like, I mean, I just think that they don't have good supportive families either, oh, you, you know? Think, okay. Yeah. So... Jason's dad goes up to them. He's like, what the fuck do you know? And the boys were like, we know nothing. I swear we would not do this to our friend. You like, you have to believe us. So Jason's family wasted no time. They called the police after this encounter and they said, Hey, yeah, these kids are acting very fucking strange. You need to bring them back in. Like something's really weird. Like they know way more than what they're saying. So they agree and they bring back. uh, So they bring in Nicholas Koya. So Nicholas was like this punk skater kid and much like the other friends in his group he also abused heroin weed prescription drugs um and also like his other friends um that he tells the exact same story that Justina and Eddie said to the investigators so he claimed he told them he's like everybody loves Jason no one would hurt him but he did admit to investigators that he did have sex often with Justina which is Jason's um girlfriend, girlfriend. right so they're like well you fucking bitch (laughs) so next they bring in dominique koya the younger brother the younger one so he too abused alcohol weed heroin prescription drugs you name it 
he was a really messed up kid. He says he hadn't seen Jason since the previous Friday and told the same story. But he told investigators, Jason and I have been friends for about four or five years and I can't think of anyone that would want to hurt Jason because Jason is a great guy and I love him. Okay, so the investigators are like, you're not fucking fooling us. This is all way too uh, similar. You mm-hmm. all sound so rehearsed. Like, this is ridiculous. So they look at him. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he's the older one. He's the oh, older Dominic one. is older. So yes. he's older than he's all? than Nicholas, and he's okay. older than all of them. Yeah, and okay. they call him Dom. So I might say Dom, but Dominic is the oldest one. So they look at Dominic. Um, he's 17, and they look at him and they start trying to like pin it on him, right? Because you know they'll do that after a while, right? With the motive like money. So they're like, because so going back. Dominic's parents had recently told him that he had to leave the house when he turned 18 and he was only like a couple of weeks shy of being 18. So that's why they're doing it on him because right. they can... Yeah, they're like, we know you did it. You wanted money because your parents told you that they were going to kick you out. Well, they can try him as an adult. Right. And they were, he was like, no fucking way. I would never rob my best friend because I love Jason. Like, he's a great guy. I can get money other ways. Like, I don't need his money. So they circled back to Justina, Right. Her mother brought her into the homicide department. So there you go. The parents had come. Investigators were like, look, we don't believe your story. We have talked to the other guys. Why don't you just fess up? You know what happened, Justina. The guys, the other guys told us, like, just fess up. So she, in her head, she's like, oh, shit. Like, what did they say? So this makes her really, really, really upset. She's crying. She's walking around the room going crazy. And the investigators just thought it was, like, one of her, like, big shows, right? She just, like, wanted to be, like, the center of attention, and she was just putting on this theatrics, right? Oh, my gosh. But they were like, I don't think she's actually upset. She's, like, scared at this point, right? So the investigators say, listen, if you would just spill all the shit that you know, like, we'll strike a deal with you, and I promise. We just need you to tell us what happened. We know. she's 15. Yeah, they were like, we know that you know, and you're the only girl in the group, like, just tell us, like, tell us what they did. We know you know. So she immediately agreed. She was like, I do know. I'll tell you. So the story completely changed. So she says that Dominic was the alpha of the group. He was the oldest. And it, he came up with this plan to rob Jason. So it was Friday, which was payday. And they so just all, out of the blue because they knew he had cash or right. money. And they okay. wanted it for drugs. So they all knew that he was going to have $500 on him that Friday because it was payday. So instead of working like Jason and getting their money, they were just going to steal it from him and they wanted to party with it is what they said. So that's all they wanted. They just wanted to party. So she says that Dominic got Eddie and Nicholas into the plan as well. She said that Dominic came up to her and was like, yo, I need you to help us lure Jason in. He will do whatever you ask for him because he likes you so much. And Nicholas is the one that's sleeping with his girlfriend. They all are. (gasps) Yeah, I'm going to get to that. They all are. So during, Is she hot? No, baby. She's got zero eyebrows, no lips. She looks like a thumb or an egg. So, <laughs> so during this interrogation, Justina also said that she was only pretending to care about Jason so that she could steal from him. She was like, I didn't really like him, if I'm being honest. I just wanted his money. So Wanted his money. He is freaking 16. 16. Right. Like, bitch, why don't you work? You having sex all day? Sell it. Exactly. I mean, if you like it. Right. So she said, but listen, this was never my plan to murder him. So she was like, I thought they were just going to rob him and that was it. I didn't think they were actually going to hurt him. So now she told police this story and she says, Dominic told her, Justina, 
I want you to lure Jason into the woods, promise him that you're going to give him sex or whatever he wants. So Justina, at the ripe-ass age of 15, told them, she said, I'm very experienced with sex, and I'm used to manipulating young boys to do whatever I want. Young boys, baby, you're 15. That's sad. Right, so she's thought and bopping all through these woods. So <laughs> Justina and Jason went to this particular location on the trails. Oh, God, I'm just imagining it. It smells like dead fish. Right, so she stopped... Okay, and by the way, I think I wrote this down somewhere, but I'm just going to say it in case I didn't. Jason's a virgin, and he was actually looking forward to the day that he was going to lose his virginity, and he really liked Justina, right? So she tells him, like, let's go have sex in the woods. Like, it's going to be special. So she lures him in. And And it's like at night, right? Yeah, So or like sunset, evening-ish. So they go, and she's like, you know what, Jason? It's kind of dirty. I don't really want to be here. I have a better place to go. Follow me, baby. So she took Jason to a prearranged location that was even more secluded. Mm-hmm. Once they got there, she started undressing him. She started making out with him. Um, she said she pulled his pants down to give him a a little blow blow. <laughs> and you know what? I know we're laughing at this, but how sad. This guy really thought he was about to bust a nut, and they really just busted him up. Like, that is so sad. So she I takes- was laughing at your noises. I wasn't laughing at his situation because that sucks it's so literally so she takes his pants down pulls his pants down and takes his shirt out to takes his shirt off and that was part of the plan to get him partially nude and his pants were on his ankles that way if he goes to run he'll trip oh my god so meanwhile during all this nicholas eddie and dominic were hiding in the bushes with latex gloves on holding rocks hatchets and hammers they were all just waiting for the perfect moment to ju- uh, jump out. And they later said in an inter- like a interrogation room that they counted at the same time. They were like, one, two, three. And they jumped out. So Justina is telling the investigators that she set him up to be robbed, not murdered. But when she saw all the weapons, she freaked out because she had no idea that they were going to murder or hurt him. Which they were like, bull fucking shit. So she said she just stood there watching, horrified. So now the story has spilled out and all the rest of them are brought in again. All four, including Justina, were placed in different rooms to be interrogated separately at the same time. So they got to Eddie first, the best friend of 12 years. They told him, we know you're lying. Justina just gave you up. We know that you were involved. You were there. You know you did it. Now tell us what the fuck you did. And he said, quote, yeah, you're right. I was there. I did it. So they asked him, who struck Jason first? And he says, quote, that was me with the hatchet. He went on to say that he hit him a total of four or five times with the hatchet. He also told the detective that he insisted that he strikes the first blow. He was like, I want to be the first one to hit him first. Like, I want to be the first one. So he said he hit him with the hatchet as hard as he could in the forehead. And according to the metal examiner, the wound... The what? Examiner? Oh, shit. So, according to the medical examiner, the wound went into his forehead about four to five inches deep. Whoa. On the first blow. Whoa. So, he was already had bleeding going on. So, according to Jason's family, they said, though, 
that's sad though. They said if Eddie had just simply asked Jason for the $500, he would have given it to him because he took care of Eddie as well as all of his other friends. Who said that? His parents, Jason's parents. Oh, Jason's parents. They were parents like, I don't that. know why this would happen. Like, if he needed the money so badly, Jason would have just given it to him. Well, maybe not for drugs. When Right. So when they needed something, Jason would help him any way that he could. So his mom said, quote, he wanted to believe the best in everyone. And when I told him that his best friend, Eddie, was going down the wrong road and I didn't want him near him, he said, quote, Mom, maybe if Eddie hangs out with me, he'll change because I don't do those things that he does. Okay, that quote right there sounds familiar. Are you sure there's not like a snapped on this? I swear. I mean, maybe you can find one. So investigators said Eddie actually had zero remorse, but during the interrogation, he still referred to Jason as his best friend even though he's admitting to killing him. So they're like, this is fucking weird. So like something that's even more fucking weird is Eddie said, it wasn't even the money that led me to do this to Jason. I was hoping it would impress Justina if I hit him with the hatchet first. So like she's got a hypnotizing puss because these guys are killing somebody for her and she has no eyebrows. Uh, Not by choice either. (laughs) So the police said- Wait, not by choice? She just didn't have any? Yeah, I guess she just wasn't born with any. Oh. So the police said, did you intend to kill Jason? And Eddie said, yes. The police said, how did you strike him? Can you show me? And uh, Eddie proceeded to put his hands over his head like this and demonstrated like a whacking motion. Almost like you're like... Hitting a pinata. Hitting a pinata, exactly. So um, they said, what did Jason say while you were doing this to your best friend? And Eddie said... He was saying, please stop. Please, I'm bleeding everywhere. Can you please stop, you guys? Let's talk about it. Like, that's horrible. So then the police said, what did you do when you heard him say that? Eddie said, I just hit him again. Wow. Wow. So I'm just picturing Eddie from Stranger Things. I'm sorry. So then he says, Jason started begging for his life over and over again, but we all just kept taking turns hitting him. Then they finished him off, trigger warning, because he's laying on the ground trying to get away. They all picked up this huge boulder and dropped it on top of his head. They which all picked up this one? This huge fucking rock and just dropped it. So that's like Holly why... Like Dunn's friend. Yeah, so that's why like all of the bones in his face were broken. Um, and they, they um, dropped it on the right side. So that's why the left cheek wasn't... Um, like maybe broken. the ground because right. it's soft. the cushion or like the mud or something. So they picked that up and they dropped it on his head. So they said once they were sure that he was dead, they took his wallet and they used the money they stole from Jason to go buy heroin and Xanax. So they just left it, like left immediately left. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now it was Dominic's turn to be interviewed. So Dominic's, who's a 17-year-old, the police said, why did you guys kill him? And Dominic said, I guess for the money. So they said, how much did you end up getting from him? And he said, well, we each split it. So we got $125, $125. So they said, what weapons did you use to kill Jason? He said, a hammer, a hatchet, and nature. So Dominic tells idiot. them that they planned to murder him far in advance and that they had listened to the Beatles' Helter Skelter about 43 times before they committed the murder. That is so, so they were trying dumb. to do like the whole Charles... Is it Charles Manson? Yes. Right. So they thought they were like some fucking cool fucking fuckers oh i said fuck a lot in this episode you really did so i'm just mad so 
Dominic said, quote, we took Sweeney's wallet out and split up the money and we parted be uh, we partied beyond redemption. But first, he said that they shared a group hug when they realized that he was dead. And he called him Sweeney. Sweeney, yeah. So one of the detectives was like, were you high during the killing? And Dominic said, no. I was sober as I am now. It's sick, isn't it? Yeah, you're sick, you little fucker. Oh, oh, don't look at me like that. So, Dominic also said that they all wanted Jason to suffer. What leads me to believe that money is not the only motive in this, they were fucking jealous of this kid. So, he had a good head on his shoulders. He was liked in school when he was in school. He had a lot of friends. He didn't ever get in any trouble. He was just a great guy. Not only that, but he was 16 years old making $2,000 a month. Like, he was, you know, studying to be a Navy SEAL. Like, he just had everything kind of going for him at this point. And they took their frustrations out on this poor kid. So Jason's father, Paul, believes the reasoning behind the murder of his son. He said, quote, jealousy. He said, quote, they were jealous that Jason was moving past them, growing beyond them as a good person. He wasn't hooked on drugs like the rest of of them, and they wanted revenge. I'm like, on what? So later in trial, I'm not getting to the trial now, but I'm just saying this. So later in trial, and we're going to get to this, a detective uh-huh. involved on the case and a forensic psychologist stated that the killer's motivation went beyond robbery and stemmed from envy and resentment to Jason Sweeney's success in life at that age. They wanted to be that, but they didn't. They weren't. They were drug yeah. addicts. So Dominic said he started hitting Jason with the hammer after Eddie hit him with the hatchet. He said that Jason was crying and begging for his life the entire time, saying, please stop, you don't have to do this, I don't want to die, please, please, I love my life. And he actually told investigators that at one point, ooh, this is kind of, this is kind of gory, at one point he hit Jason so hard with the hammer that when he reached back, the hammer was embedded into his (gasps) skull, so it just stuck. Like, he hit him and he went to go back again, but it stuck into his head. Yeah. So... The police were like, did he attempt to try and run away? And Dominic said, yeah, but like his pants were down to his ankles. And then they said, so what did you do? What happened when he tried to run away? And they said, we tackled him and kept hitting him. And then we threw the rock on top of him. How scared and confused he must have been. And then they were like, so who threw, who like threw the last like boom at him? And they were like, he said, my brother. So Nicholas is his brother. So now it's Nicholas's turn. So Nicholas just admits to everything immediately. <laughs> like, they didn't even say, like, we know it's you. He's like, all right, I'll tell you. But he says, quote, I only hit him with the rock. So, and the boys later said that that was true. Not the big boulder. I don't know. He said a rock. So I think that they were also throwing, like, rocks and stuff at him. So this is when Nicholas revealed that Justina was not just a decoy, but that she knew about the murder plot and even participated in this, like, 100%. So she was, like, throwing rocks and stuff, too? So they're like, oh, really? Well, bring the little no-eyebrow bitch back up in this bitch. And they tell her, they tell her, we "We know you're lying out of your butthole about not knowing about the plot to kill. You weren't just there to rob him, and you fully know that there was going to be this horrendous murder that was going to happen that night. And she starts off by confessing that she never cared again about Jason. And they're like, "Okay, we don't. We know that. You yeah, don't care. you like, murdered him. We know you don't care about it. That's actually making you look worse." And then she was like, "But I do want to say I have been having a lot of sex with Dominic, Nicholas, and Eddie. 
um, and I just sleep with them to get heroin. They're like, okay, cool. You're just telling us shit that we we already assumed. Like, this isn't helping yeah. your case at all. So basically, she tells him that she uses sex to make these guys do whatever she wanted. She said, Eddie, she said, quote, Eddie swung his hatchet and hit Jason in the right front side of the head, and Jason staggered. Jason touched his head and then realized he was bleeding and said, what are you guys doing? And started to run away. Dominic jumped on Jason and started hitting Jason on the head with his hammer. Jason was saying, please, guys, no, stop, stop, please, this hurts. Justina then said, quote, Dom jumped on his back and started hitting him with the hammer over and over again. I saw the hammer go into his head and then it was stuck and it wouldn't come out. She confirmed what Dominic had just told the police. So according to Justina, oh God, this is so bad. According to Justina, Jason's last words to her as he lay there dying was, wow, you set me up, Justina. <gasps> Looked at her before he died and said that. Like you fucking... I hate him. I hate her. Hate her. So those were his last words. So apparently both brothers, Eddie and Justina, went to a friend's house complete, uh, immediately after the murder. Um, and this friend helped them wash their bloody clothes. Okay, the, so they're accomplices. So they get jail time? No. So the friend said to the police, Dominic comes in. So the friend said to the police, quote, Dominic comes in and he's shaking. They're all shaking. They're just keep saying, we did it. We did it. I can't believe we finally killed Jason. Now, I don't, I said, I don't, I don't know what happened to this friend, but I mean, I'm sure something had to have happened, right? I so, mean. another friend of theirs was Joshua, Joshua Stab, who was 18. So he was actually a friend of Dominic. He said that the group bragged about their plan to kill Sweeney by using Justina Mor- Morley as bait. They thought it was cool. And so Joshua also said that Eddie knew that Sweeney would have his paycheck earnings on him that day of the murder. The prosecutor asked Joshua about the teen's demeanor demeanor after killing, and he said they seemed uh, uh, pretty fine. They were really, really happy that they had done it. So I'm like, uh uh-uh. So after the confessions, all four of them were arrested for murder. When they went to trial, the state wanted the max sentences possible. But as juveniles or adults? So I'm going to get to that. Okay, so sorry. Reinhold, which is the lead detective on the case, um, said um, in 38 years of law enforcement, he had never seen anything so horrific. Um, so he agreed that they should be locked up forever. He actually wanted them to have the death penalty for Dominic. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, because they was wouldn't the older do it. And the ringleader, right? However, during the trial, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled um, Ropper versus Simmons that defendants mm-hmm. under the age of 18 could not be executed. So as a result, Dominic Koya, who was only 14 days away from his 18th birthday at the time of the crime, could not receive the death penalty. But he could get life. Right. So the judge on this case called it something out of the dark ages. During the trial, a lot of Justina's dark shit came out for the court to see. It also came out that Justina had slept with Nicholas and Eddie only a few weeks prior and the day before in exchange for heroin. So Justina's attorney explained to the judge that the girl, so this is them trying to plead her case, that the girl suffered through depression, suicide, and substance abuse in an attempt to get her a juvenile court trial. Okay. Psychiatrist William Russell explained to the court how Justina attempted suicide twice by overdosing on pills only the year before the killing, right? Okay. So Morley's attorney argued that she was the least guilty 
and if tried as a juvenile, she could get treatment and live a productive life that she deserves. Oh, so she deserves to live, but she killed somebody? Bull baby. No, ma'am. So, however, the assistant district attorney was like, what? And he came back and said, well, Morley was in fact part of the plot based on this, and she had gone to treatment three times prior, and it didn't work. So, like, why would this time her treatment work? She's been in treatment three other times, right? So, that just, she just didn't want want to help herself. So, the Philadelphia assistant district attorney, Judy Conroy, said, quote, The brutality of this case is really beyond the spoken word. The injuries and the extent of the injuries and the amount of force necessary to inflict those injuries is unspeakable. So, even though they were all juveniles, they were all charged as adults, because it's an adult crime, and of course, the attorneys on their side tried all the shit again they're like no 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 they're just drug addicts they just don't have good parents they they need like support and love which like that is true True, but not when you brutally murder somebody it doesn't change that right so like do something good in prison then because you made your choices and then also i'm about to get into how they act during the trial and it's just gonna make you just like so jason's mother said quote These children, they applauded this. It is very well thought out, right down to their alibi. So even at the preliminary hearings, the lawyers were, like, talking and doing, like, a sidebar conversation. And all of them sat there laughing the whole time. It was, like, winking at each other. Like, laughing at the remarks and, like, laughing at what they did to this guy. So it actually, like, sucks and for them that they were all tried together. Right. Because they're just proving right. what fucking idiots And the jury said it was absolutely horrific that they were doing this in front of the parents. So Justina and Dominic would actually write letters to each other in jail while awaiting trial. So these letters would actually be used against her in trial because homegirl was not fucking thinking and she said some fucked up shit. So in one of the writings to Dominic, she wrote, quote, You say I'm manipulative, and yes, I believe in ways that I am. I think that I'm more persuasively manipulative, and I think I'm pretty good at it, too. I enjoy dragging people around. That doesn't even make sense. Persuasively manipulative. manipulative. Right. So then she said in another letter, quote, Tell me you don't enjoy these gullible humans. It's funny how easy it is to persuade them into lies. Then she said, quote, I am guilty, but I still don't feel guilty for anything. I still enjoy my flashbacks of the murder. They yes. give me comfort. I love them. Wow. That's... So the, right. So the prosecution used these letters to imply that she was guilty. In another letter she wrote, quote, oh God, I'm a cold-blooded fucking death-worshipping bitch who survives by feeding off the weak and the lonely. I lure them in and then I crush them. Calm down, baby. You're 15 years old. You did it one time. Right. And you didn't even... Well, I guess she did, but... So when the assistant district attorney, Judy, again, said... So she asked Justina on the stand, Uh Do you take pride in what you did to Jason Sweeney? According to these letters, it looks like you did. And Justina sat there and she said, Yes, I do. Okay, so the prosecutors, lying. I mean, at the same time, her defense attorney is like, well, fuck, how am I sitting here fighting for you? I You're know. literally not helping I know. Me. So the prosecutors also get her to admit that her and the boys were, quote, excited when they planned the murder and happy when the accomplishment. She was like, yeah, we were very excited. We hugged at the end. Like, we were glad we did it. And then she admits to this is so just bleh. 
she admits to the court, she said, well, after we were arrested and the three of the, the boys and I were in the back of the prison van, I stripped for them. So they arrested them in the back of the van. She's given them a strip tease. She's so disturbed. She's disturbed. So none of the teens showed any remorse or apologized at any point in this court. Like, at all. That's so strange because the whole... Did they keep saying... But I thought you said one of them kept referring to him. That's during the interrogation. Oh, but okay. during the actual trial... They don't nothing. say, like, we loved him. No. He was a good person. Okay. So Paul Sweeney, who is... Uh, Jason's father addressed Dominic and said, look at me, Dominic. I know you think you have evil eyes, but mine are going to be staring back at you every night for the rest of your life. Like got up in his face. So Dominic responded to the, wait, so Dominic responded to the judge. So he was like, the judge heard this and was like, do you have anything to say? And Dominic, the little smart little fucker, smart ass, he goes, I never thought I had evil eyes, but other than that, no, I'm cool. I'm good. I don't even have words. (laughs) So on May 2005, each of the boys were sentenced to a mandatory life in prison without parole for murder, plus 22 and a half to 45 years for conspiracy, robbery, and possessing an instrument of crime. Okay. So those were all three of the boys boys. got that. Now, Justina pled guilty to third degree murder because she got, she got caught. uh, She had that deal with the police and they held true to it. So she got 17 to 35 years in prison because she gave the testimony first. That's bullshit. So she's going to get out and be able to live her life. When? Is that 2005? Five. So, and she did get 35. So, I mean, she'll be older, but still, like, she'll be 50. Like, 50 years old. No. So when the sentencing them, the judge said, quote, there is a level of inhumanity that exists in these facts. This was a totally depraved act. Is that the right word? Depraved? D-E-P-R-A-V-E-D? Depraved? Depraved. Basically, it's fucked up. So, unfortunately, though, in 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Miller versus Alabama, which struck down mandatory life without parole sentences for juveniles under 18, holding that the court must consider the individual circumstances of each juvenile defendant in determining the sentence, Mm -hmm. which might still be life in parole if the court's judgment, like if the circumstances warrant it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they had a re-sentencing, and Nicholas was in 2015, so he was 28 years old at this time. And remember, all three of the boys had the same sentencing, right? Wait, I thought they didn't have parole. But because of this new oh, law. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. okay, sorry. So um, so they, in 2015, Nicholas was up for his resentencing. So Jason's mother, father, and sister showed up at every single one of the resentencing hearings because they were like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to let them get away with this. We're going to let our voice be heard. So Jason's mother said that the court needed to uphold the sentence. And she said, quote, my precious baby boy had been beaten to death so brutally that I had to identify him by a fresh scar on his hand. I sat in the courtroom listening to testimony that a couple of weeks prior to Jason's murder, the four of them originally wanted to murder me and my whole family. So in court, they said, well, our original plan was to murder the whole family. So she was like, no, you cannot let these people out. Like, no, fuck Because they might just go and murder them anyway. So Jason's sister said, quote, forgiving them means that it hurts less today than it did 12 years ago. I only ask that you find it in your judgment to understand that while some people are capable of becoming better than their past, those boys are not. This 
was a well thought out murder, one where they had plenty of time to stop it from happening. Yeah. So the judge sentenced them to life in prison again without the possibility of parole upholding the original 2005 sentence. She said, quote, this is an uncommon case. There are no factors which remove the defendant from the punishment of life in prison without parole. Not only did he plan the assault, but they participated in the assault, which was so violent that Jason Sweeney had to be identified by a scar and dental records. So to finish the story out with a big L-O motherfucking L, there's a website where you can write to prisoners. Remember, I've shown oh, you that. Oh, yeah. I what go- is it called? Uh, to write to inmates, okay? But it's like a dating site. They say it's not, but it's so It's very MySpace. Right. So I'm going to read to you what Dominic said, okay? (gasps) Wait, can I see his picture? Yes. So. I have to see it first. Yeah, I know. Just to put a face. So he's this one right here. Sorry, guys. I'm going to upload these photos too so you can see it. So he has long hair, bowl cut. Ew, he is ugly. So he says, hi, I'm in prison. No fucking shit. Considering me is very Audrey Hepburn of you. I have been... Uh, First of all, his hair is kind of like Audrey Hepburn. (laughs) I have been incarcerated since the age of 17. At that age, people naturally go their separate ways. What my situation did not destroy, I sabotaged myself, believing the world better off without me. My mom abandoned us when I was four. Growing up, I was painfully shy, total stage fright in, in any interaction. This led to adopting liquid encouragement along with other social stimulants, which made for a good, quick fix, but the bonds forged were not built to last. There you have the main ingredients for my present isolation. Forgive me if that is TMI, but I felt that this should be a bit more personal than to say, quote, oh, I don't know, for the forlorn lonely prisoner of a man seeks lively chit-chat, I'm into creative writing and playing the guitar. In between guitars at the moment, um, I have an autobiography on the account steamit.com. My autobiography is called How My Guitar Caught Hep C by Jiminy Hans Bob. It's a pen name, not my gangsta name. That would be Two Bits McTrouble. (laughs) (laughs) He said, luckily, and now he's like starts speaking in third person. Luckily, he's physically attractive. He's an unbalanced yogi, and no matter how much he exercises, he remains built like a flamingo. I love animals. Like anyone, I'm a work in progress. Well, I can't tell you I'm an angel, but I do make the effort. Things I can take back or change motivate me, nonetheless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye? Not the two bigs trouble. Not... How is Two Bits like- McTrouble, that sounds like a fucking <laughs> spicy chicken sandwich at McDonald's. Why does he have the ability to play an instrument? And let me tell you this. Did I almost write him? Did sure you? did. <laughs> I think we should write him and be like, you're a piece of fucking shit, but Emily's single. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves your hair. And she loves your hair. So just to wrap this up, so Paul and Don Sweeney, who are Jason's parents, set up the Jason Kill Sweeney Foundation in memory of Jason. Okay. So this foundation funds a full scholarship to the Valley Forge Military School. So that's the school of Jason's dream. 
he oh, wanted right. to attend it to become the Navy SEAL. He had actually been accepted into the school in That's 2001, right. but he could not afford the tuition, which is why he was working so much with his father. Jeez. So his parents and him were actually had this fun to collect all this money to be able to afford to send their son off. So now they have a full scholarship in his name for anybody that wants to be a Navy SEAL. Wow. And that is the horrific murder of Jason Sweeney. That is awful. Awful. And I'm going to post the photos on our Instagram at Misery Manor Podcast. Um, would love to have you there. If you could take a moment to and rate, review, review subscribe. subscribe. Um, next week, we, I think, I have a really good stalker story. So it's a little bit between like the true crime and like. Do I know it? Scare- Mouth it to me. No, you don't. I know you don't. So um, we're going to be doing a stalker story. So, everybody loves a good stalker, right? No. Um, oh. I do have a question. Yeah. Do the other three people have a dating site? I only found his. You can't... Oh, my God. For a Patreon episode, we should read... Read them. Because <gasps> oh, there's some fucked up ones. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because the night you showed me, I just sat on there reading We should them. actually write one and then read it on a Patreon episode. <laughs> <laughs> God, this is getting kind of dangerous over here. Um, if any of y'all are into inmates um, and you would like us to hook you up with one, we know a couple that we will find on the website for you. Please. So thanks, guys. We will be back next week. We love you and we mean it. Have a good night. Thank you, BBs. Bye.